I'm just going to sit here and, uh, and just... The thing that the Lord just put on my heart, and so I'm going to give you the short version of this today. Uh, maybe we'll go into it a little more next week. Um, it's kind of cool how it all ties together. But I, the, you know, there's a there's a mindset that God has given us these promises, and uh, and we're. We're trying to kind of go after our promises. We're trying to, we want to see these things fulfilled. There's things we feel like we need to accomplish in our lives. And, um, and yet you look at the church today and, and there's, there's, there's not a lot of power in the church. We, we don't see God moving. Now we do in, in like in small areas, but we don't see God moving in the greater church in, in powerful ways. And, uh, and I believe one of the biggest misunderstandings is this radical obedience that we're called to. And, and it's in the place of obedience and in the place of understanding and knowing his ways that there's a power and there's authority released and there's, there's promises that are, that are released for us, that are given to us. The greatest one being the Holy Spirit. We, well, you could say salvation. Uh, but how we have salvation is actually by the Spirit. It's, it's when we're born again. It's when we're born by the Spirit. And so uh, when, the, when the Spirit of God comes on the inside of us, when he puts his Spirit in us, it's a deposit of the things to come. This is the greatest gift that he has. It's the greatest promise that he has. And he says, it's a deposit for the things to come. There is more of his spirit. But it, again, it requires a place of obedience. Um, and so the, the, the promises that we see that God has, not just the Holy Spirit, the, the other promises, there's a number of promises. There's over 7,000 promises right in here. And then there's more that the Lord has had. There's words that, prophetic words from the Lord that, that I know are over many of your lives. If you don't have, like, promises, and I love what Nate said, we still, we lay them all down. Like, Jesus laid down everything that, that he had. He gave it all for the glory of God. And uh, so cool how in Ephesians, or in Philippians 2, it talks about how, uh, God actually says he raises up Christ. He gives him the name above every name that every knee should bow and every tongue would confess. He does this with his son. And then if you look at the, just like a few verses down, and then it says, and then Jesus turns around and gives all that he has, all the glory that he has, he gives it back to the Father. So it's this beautiful, like, just play of the Father going, I'm going to give you the glory. I'm going to lift you up. And the Son going, no, I'm going to give you the glory. <laughs> I'm going to give it all back to you. And, uh, but in it, how did he get the glory? It was in a place of radical obedience that Jesus, he even said, it's not my will, but your will be done. Like, he says, if you can take this cup from me, take it. But at the end of the day, I'll do whatever you desire. From his whole life that he lived was he spoke what he heard the Father say and he did what he saw the Father do. 
That is a radical obedience. And in that, he was lifted to the highest place, given the name above every name. Moses, when he, here he is with, he's got over a million Israelites with him. And he's like, I don't know what to do here. Uh, can you, I don't know if you can imagine trying to lead a million, well over a million people that are stubborn, they've been enslaved, their mindsets are a mess, and uh, trying to lead them out. And in Exodus 33, he says, he goes, Lord, I, I see the favor that rests upon me, but he goes, teach me your ways. And this is what I feel like the church needs today. We need to know his ways. We think we know his ways, but we're actually often walking in our own ways. And then we're saying, Lord, I'm doing this for you. Now bless what I'm doing. And he goes, no, it doesn't work like that. It actually works in a laid down position of, I need to know your ways. So Moses says, teach me your ways. For what purpose? That I may know you and that your favor would rest upon me. In, and it's not just in the knowing his ways, but it's actually in the doing of his ways. It's in that radical obedience. And, and you look at Moses, his life, none of it makes sense. I, I mean, it's not like they went out and he's like, okay, I think we'll go that way because there's a lot of water over there and there's some food and so we'll, we'll be able to, to live over there. No, they just go out into the wilderness. They go out into the desert and then the, the Lord says, yeah, just strike this rock and water will come out. Like, really? And then man is going to just come down from heaven. And oh, by the way, and their, their shoes will never wear out and their clothes will never wear out. Like, this is a radical way of living. But Moses, what he was able to do is understand the ways of the Lord and walk by faith. And, and the two go hand in hand. You cannot understand his ways and not walk by faith. Because his ways are so radically different than our ways. You look throughout, look at the Bible just from beginning to end. Nothing makes sense. <laughs> it, but Moses had to walk in his ways, in the ways of the Father. He learned them and he walked in them. And he did mess up, and it actually cost him. <laughs> he didn't, it wasn't able to step into the promised land. It was the next generation that stepped in. It was, it was Joshua. Um, talks, I think it's in Exodus 32, or maybe it's 33, but it, it talks about Moses. He would go into the tent of meetings. He'd go, he'd had this tent that he made, and he'd go in there, and he'd commune with the Lord, and, and he'd come out, and his face would just glow as light, and they would freak out all the Israelites. They'd be like, ah, who is this guy that's glowing? And, uh, but what was really cool is Joshua, it says, but he remained. He remained in that place of intimacy with the Father. When, when Moses would come out and do the things he needed to do, Joshua's like, no, I'm, I'm staying in the tent. I'm staying in that place. And so he as, as he was in that place, he was the chosen one. He was the one that got to lead the people across the Jordan into the promised land. 
And, and when you look at Joshua 1, there's all these promises that, that Joshua receives. I mean, it's amazing. You look at it, and it's like every place you step, you're going to take that territory. I will be with you. Be, be strong and be courageous. The Lord your God is with you. And, but there's a, there's a little spot in there that, that we kind of skip over sometimes because we love all the promises. We love all the, the good things. And I think we often do this in our own lives. We do this when we read the Bible. It's like kind of a la carte, right? You know, like, okay, I'll take verse 1, I'll take verse 4, and I'll take verse 6. Those are great. <laughs> skip the other ones. Um, but he says this. Right after he tells them all these promises, he says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. That's an amazing promise. He says, but then do this. Don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you're careful to do everything written in it. It says, then you will be prosperous and successful. He goes through, and uh, Andrew talked about it a little bit last week. It's that, you know, they went and they attacked Jericho. Again, not the strategy that you would use where you just walk around a, a, a wall for seven days, and then on the seventh day you walk around it seven times, you shout, and the walls come down. But God had a plan, <laughs> and it was not man's plan, and all he was asking for was radical obedience in this. So they take down Jericho, and now they're kind of like, okay, the Lord is with us. And so then they send out 3,000 against Ai and uh, the armies of Ai. And, and, uh, but there was something that happened that, that Joshua was not aware of. There was a man named Achan, and, and he actually coveted the things of the Lord. And there was some specific commands that the Lord had that none of, those, none of the, the plunder, none of the things would be taken, but that it would all go into... Uh, into the temple. It would go into, it would be for the Lord and not for them. None of it. And, uh, and Achan coveted some of the things and he took them and talked a little bit about this a number of weeks ago and he, he puts them under his, he hides them, takes them and he hides them under his tent and uh, nobody knows. His family probably knows but no one else knows. And, uh, but it affects an entire nation. And, and you go, so Joshua sends out this army to attack Ai, and Ai destroys them, kills them all. And Joshua's going, what just happened? Like, Lord, you gave me all these promises. You told me that no one will be able to stand up against me. Yet, if you look at, at Joshua 6 or 7, like, none of those prom the promises stopped. Everything that the Lord said he would do, he did not do. And so I think, I feel like sometimes we go, God, what's happened? Why are you not doing the things you said you're going to do? Joshua says this. He goes, <laughs> and, and I get it if I was Joshua, because Joshua didn't understand what was going on. He's like, God, if only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Like, you told me we were going to go, we were going to take all this territory, and we just got routed. We just got destroyed. And he's telling the Lord, he's like, oh, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, 
and they will surround us and they will wipe out your na- our name from the earth. And then what will you do with your own great name? I love how <laughs> Joshua's like, like, this is your name. It's for you, Lord. And if you wipe us out, now what are you going to do? Like, where's your people? And uh, I don't think the Lord was too concerned with that. But um, so he's on his face crying out to the Lord. And the Lord says this. He's like, Joshua, stand up. He says, what are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I have commanded them to keep. They were not walking in the ways of the Lord. There are commands that we are called to walk in. There are things in here that Jesus says, do this, walk in this way. And when we don't do them, we, we sometimes question, well, God, why aren't you not doing what you've said you would do? There was a broken covenant, and, and they had to fix something. I'm not going to go into the story, but it, it didn't end well for Achan or his family. Um, but in that, there was, there was a healing that came after that was dealt with, and then God began to move. And he says this, after, after this was dealt with and the family was actually stoned, we, we don't do that now. There's, there's, we have the blood of Jesus. <laughs> there's repentance. So I see people running out the back door. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> but, but he says this in the beginning of Joshua 8. The Lord says to Joshua, now, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. He's like, here we go. Take up the whole army with you and go and attack Ai. And they go and, um, man, the, the next few chapters you see the Lord is with them and there is a strength because they're walking in his ways. Uh, what's really cool is, is in the middle of that, in the middle of where they're, they're attacking and defeating these armies, the Lord, he stops, Joshua stops, and he reads the words of the law. He does the very thing uh, that's, that's, that the Lord tells him to do in Joshua 1. And it says he, he reads the all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. And there was not, it says, there was not a word of all that Moses has commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and the children and all the foreigners who lived among them. Joshua understood that in order to walk in the ways of the Lord, they need to know him. They need to, they have to actually be aware of it. This is something that I feel like the, the church is so illiterate when it comes to the Bible. We don't know. We don't know his ways. We don't know his commands. And so we're, I see it all the time. People are walking and they're like, they quote a scripture, but you're like, what? It's way out of context. It doesn't even, that's not what it's even about. And so this thing gets so twisted and turned. Um, and used for whatever people want to use it for. Pastors, I, as one, I, it's so easy to take something out of context, twist it, and use it for whatever purpose you need to use it for. It's spirit and truth. This is truth, but there is the spirit, and they come together, and this, these were the, this is how we become worshipers of the Lord, because we actually walk in radical obedience to the things of God. And he's calling us into that. 
We want to see the promises of God in the season. We want to see revival in the season. Obey the commands of God. It's actually that simple. And, and people say, well, God's grace is sufficient. His, <laughs> I'll say this and don't walk out. It's actually not. His grace is sufficient when we walk in faith because it's actually our faith that activates grace. Grace by itself does not do it. The blood by itself does not do it. It's actually a partnership that we have. And this is so misunderstood even in the church. It's like, I can just do whatever I need to do and God is gonna bless it because of his grace. It's so good, it just overflows. No, he actually commands us to walk in his ways. In John 15, he says, he says, if you want my love to remain in you, obey my commands. He says, if you don't obey my commands, my love will not be with you. Walk in my ways and I will give you my love and I will remain in you. And so this is that conditional promise. And sometimes we, we, for, we just, I don't know if we forget or we just don't understand. And we think that God is just this God who goes, I'll do whatever you want. I love you. And he's like, no, I command, I, these are my commands. And, and he says, they're not burdensome. He's, he's not, here's the thing, he's not doing it to like to try to trick us or to trip us up or like, oh, I got this one. That he'll never, they'll never get that one. <laughs> That's not the God we serve. He does lavish his love on his children and he makes it easy. It's not, it's not a difficult thing. It does require that we lay down our lives. But then we get to hold of, we get to take hold of his life. And it's a beautiful thing. It, the, the things of this world that we hold on to, I see it as, it's actually, it creates, it's not that the Lord separates himself from us, we actually separate ourselves from him as we take hold of the things of this world. And it says in, in Hebrews 12, as you cast off those things, as you cast off the weights and the sins and all those things, it says then you can run with perseverance the race that's set out for you. The very plans and the purposes that God has for you, when you cast off all those things, when you lay your life down, now you can run with perseverance the race that is set out for you with your eyes on Jesus. And here's the thing, it requires faith. You look to Jesus, he is the author and he is the perfecter of your faith. So he's the one that actually carries us in this. We don't act, have to do this on our own. We're never meant to do it on our own. And then he goes, and I put my spirit in you to give you all that you need. There's an amazing scripture. I got to read this. And then um, Jaden, will you come up? Um, in, in 2 Peter 1, catch these words. It says this. Whoops, that's First Peter. In Second Peter 1, it says this. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and His goodness. It says, And through these, He has given us a, His very great and precious promises so that through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. Let me slow it down. So his divine nature, 
This is the Holy Spirit that he has actually, that he puts on the inside of us. It says his divine nature, or his divine power, which is his nature, um, has given us everything we need for our life and to walk in a place of godliness. This is that, be holy as I'm holy. So as we have his divine power and nature living on the inside of us, we walk in a place of godliness. And then out of that, it says, and we do it through our knowledge of him. So it's a spiritual wisdom and understanding that we have of him to then walk in his ways. Okay? And then it says this, uh, who has called us by his own glory and his goodness. When Moses said, uh, when he says, Lord, I want to walk in your ways and, and and have favor with you, The Lord says this, he goes, I will give you my presence and I will give you rest. Those two things come when we actually walk in radical obedience to the Lord. His Holy Spirit and a place of rest. Who is rest? Jesus. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is rest. So we have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus when we walk in that place. And then then here's the cool part. Moses says, so show me your glory. And, and the Lord goes, huh, I'll show you my goodness. And he shows him his goodness. So here it is. He says right here, he says that it's, uh, so he's called us by his own glory and goodness. And then it says, and so through this, through the glory and the goodness that, that he's given us, it says he's given us his very great and precious promises. So now through that, We have the promises, and they're for these two purposes, for this reason, so that we may participate in the divine nature. We get to actually participate with God. We get to walk in a oneness with God as we do this. As we walk in that radical obedience, there's promises that are released, and the promises are for his glory And we get to actually partner with the divine character, the nature of God in those promises. That's what the promises are for. They're not just for us so that we can go, oh, look what God did in in my life. No, we can actually walk in the divine nature and character of Christ. And then the other thing is that, that we can escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. On our own, good luck. But with those promises, with the, with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we're able to escape. We're able to bypass and, and, and be removed from those evil desires, from those things that would trip us up and take us down. It's by His Spirit, and it's with the promises that He has for us that we can walk in the fullness and, and walk in life and godliness. I asked Jaden to come up here. Jaden is a, uh, he was an intern here and um, now uh, he's just going after the Lord. Jaden's 20 years old, about to be 21. And, uh, and, and I asked him just to come up. I felt like just to share something, I, th- I feel like it's going to stir your heart because there's a man, he had, he had some choices to make, and, uh, and he was not always walking with the Lord. Um, he was actually walking in his own way for a while. And, uh, but uh, Jaden, just share share what the Lord put on your heart. Maybe. There it is. Um, Yeah. So I think it was Tuesday, Mike came up to me and said, hey, I just feel like this aligns really well with 
what you've walked through. Uh, and he's like, I'm going to talk about promises and, and how we have to make a choice to step into these promises. That it's not just given just because God says, you know, hey, I'm going to promise this for you. It's not just like, okay, now I can sit back, relax, kick my feet up, and everything's, you know, awesome. Uh, and so he's, he's telling me this on, on Tuesday. I'm kind of going through. He's like, I think you'll just share a testimony, whatever, whatever you're feeling. And I'm like, my testimony doesn't really align with this. I was like, I don't know. So I just started to pray through it. I said, Lord, is this something you want me to do? If so, I want to be obedient. I want to just listen to your voice and do it. And so the Lord told me, yeah, you're going to go do it. And I still have no idea what I was going to talk about. And so we met back up on Thursday and kind of talked through it a little bit more. And the Lord started to reveal some things on my heart of things I have gone through that go in line with this idea of promises and how we have to step into these promises. They're not just given just because God says, hey, I'm promising this to you. Um, and so quick background just so that you have some context of what I walked through um, early on and then into high school. So I, I grew up in this church. I've actually been coming to The Rock since I was like four or five years old. Um, so everything I know is thanks to the people here that helped uh, guide me and lead me. Uh, but then I entered into high school and wasn't quite ready for some of the challenges that you face when you enter into a public high school. Um, and so I had friends who, hey, we're going we're gonna to start doing this activity or this, uh, this, this thing. And I wasn't sure how to say no. Like I had convictions. The Lord had convicted my heart like, hey, you're not going to do these things. But I hadn't been settled in those to say yeah, I'm not going to do these things. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to uh, treat women poorly. I'm not going to uh, do these drugs. I had those convictions, but I wasn't settled enough in the Lord to, to act upon those, those convictions. And so I enter high school, and, and a friend's like, hey, you should, you should come smoke weed with us. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's not really something I'm interested in, but maybe. So I'll give it a try. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't. And so go try it, and then... Uh, it progressively gets worse. Like any sin, any disobedience to the Lord, it usually starts real small. It, it starts with a, um, like a compromise, saying, oh, I'll just try it, or, or I'll just do it this one time. And then as we do it that one time, it it's, becomes two times, and then ten times, and then next thing you know, it's a lifestyle, and we're living in sin, and it's not what the Lord wants for us. And so anyways, uh, throughout high school, just progressively gets worse. Start trying other drugs, uh, experimenting with more and more and walking very far from the Lord. Like if the Lord's going this way, I was going that way. Um, and just got really to a low point my junior year and asked the Lord kind of out of desperation. I was angry. I was mad. I was lost. I was confused. I was just crying out, Lord, uh, if you're real, speak to me. Uh, show me what's going wrong. I was looking into to other religions and uh, some new age mumbo jumbo. Um, so I was going way left and the Lord spoke to me in that moment. He said that I had been looking in the wrong places for answers and that he'd been there the whole time. And this was kind of the, the start of a return, but it was a long return. It wasn't like a Oh, he said something, and I'm like right back in it. It was a, it was a series of small choices to lay things down, uh, to, to humble myself. Um, and so keep smoking, right, even after this. I keep doing drugs, keep partying, doing all that. And then between my, my, my junior year and my senior year in the summer, uh, my parents, who are here today, I put them through a lot, um, 
they ended up finding my drug paraphernalia, for lack of a better term, um, and confronted me about it. I was like, what's this about? And out of a place of pride, I really fought it. And I said, no, 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 I'm fine. I have it figured out. It's fine. Like, it's not ruining my life. I'm going to be just fine. I ha- it'll be all right. And as, I, as they were being obedient to the Lord and calling me out on this and bringing it to attention, it slowly started to, to be revealed to me. The Lord began to reveal to my heart, like, hey, this is not just affecting you. Like Mike was saying about the sin of Achan in, in Joshua. It's not, sometimes our sins aren't just affecting us. Sometimes we think like, oh, well, it's okay. If it ruins my life, who cares? As long as it doesn't affect anybody else. But generally speaking, our sin is affecting other people. And the thing that really got my heart to start to like, want to change was seeing the effect it had on my parents uh, and, and watching them have to go through this thing um, that I put them through ultimately. And so then somehow my senior year, uh, CV, I went to Castleview just down the road, offers an, an internship program. You can choose to, to intern at a local business or, or whatever as school credit. So I think, oh, this is a steal because I don't want to be at school as a senior. So I'll just work at the church or, or internship at the church and and I'll be there. And so I had one class my senior year, and then I'd come here. And I don't really know why I did it. I don't know how the Lord got me to do it, uh, but he used it. And as I started to step into internship, now I'm in, in March, so three months after I started, I feel the Lord call me, hey, you're going to preach and you're going to teach. And so it's like, oh, I just received my promise. I received my calling, like Nate was saying. My eyes became locked on the promise, not on Jesus. And so then when I had opportunity to maybe to talk and, and, and lead students, because I work with the youth, uh, it was like, oh, this is so good. I'm stepping into my calling. I'm stepping into my promise. And it wasn't, oh, Lord, I get to be a vessel for you to, to, to say you're worthy, to say you're worth it. It was, oh, I'm worthy because I have these cool stories I can tell. So life goes on. I'm interning and really prideful. I'm not doing some of the old things. I'm not drinking as much. Uh, I wasn't smoking anymore. Um, Kind of treating people better. Things were changing, but you have to have a realization that I was still living in sin. And it wasn't until very recently that I began to truly lay these things down, humble myself before the Lord and say, no, this is about you, Jesus. It's not about me. And so I'm going to lock eyes with you. And that's when I'll walk on the waters. Because if I'm looking at my calling instead of Jesus, you're going to sink. And so I really the beginning of this year was when I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay these things down once and for all. Like I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. I'm going to lay down what I want, what I desire, whether or not that means my calling. If that means I'd never preach another day in my life, so be it. Like I don't want us as a church to be so focused on our promise or our calling that we thought the Lord was calling us into that we're losing focus about who made the promise. And so I, I just feel this like be encouraged if there's this promise in your life, and, and today you were kind of like, I need to lay this thing down. I need, to, uh, I need to get my eyes off of the promise and onto the promise maker. Continue to do this and, and live your life this way. And, and as you do this, as you step into an obedience, the Lord will actually begin to, to fulfill those promises. And so... For me, it looks a lot like, okay, I heard this calling to lead and to preach and to teach, and I kind of forced my way into it. Not really, but like I was not being obedient to the Lord. And the moment this year, 
pretty much the beginning of this year, end of last year, that I decided to, to lay these things down, to walk away from old habits and, and old sin, and to be obedient to what the Lord was calling me to do. My leadership began to change, and it's not because I did anything. It's because the Lord fulfilled promises when I stepped into a place of obedience. And so, just in line with, with Joshua and what Mike was speaking on, uh, let us be a people, a church that's going to continue to lay the things down, whether it's sinful or it's your calling or it's a promise, and get our eyes on Jesus because that's what matters. And I just want to pray that over you, and then I'll let, let Mike close us out. I don't want to take too much of our time. So, well, let's wait. Hold on, because I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna close here, but I am I'm gonna have you pray. So, I tell you what, would you guys just stand up? Some of the things. I think we'll wait till next week and share that, uh, Steve. There, there's so much more, that, and I feel like there's some areas of understanding rest that the Lord wants to speak into. And Anyway, there's, there's so much more. I have, I have 15 pages of notes, and I think I went through about a half a page. Um, so <laughs> there, there's a lot that the Lord is stirring right now, um, and it's, it's to prepare us for what the Lord wants to do in this time. If we don't capture this, if we don't understand what, what Jaden's talking about here, what I was talking about, just with, with walking in his ways, we're going to miss the very thing that the Lord is doing. We're going to miss the opportunity to step into the fullness of his plans and his purposes and the, and the promise that he, promises that he does have for us in this time. There is, we call it like a, there's a wave that's about to hit. There's something like right over the horizon. It's like you can't see it, but you can feel it. You can sense it. God is about to move in a powerful way, in ways that we have never seen before, in ways that we've never read about before, in ways we've never experienced before. But our job is to prepare our hearts in this time, to be ready for what he wants to do. He needs a people that are going to be led by him and not walking in their own ways that are laid down, lives are laid down, sold out, that we don't care about our own stuff. We really, we just, we can't take anything with us. So let's fully go after the kingdom. He says, seek first the kingdom. This is Matthew 6, one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all the other stuff will get figured out. It'll be added on to you. Don't worry. What the point is, is don't worry about it. Just seek first his plan, his heart, his will, his commands, his ways. Got it? That was a very, very poor response. <laughs> Glad five people got it. <laughs> okay. I know there's some things the Lord's just... Here's the cool part. I was telling somebody this earlier. My heart is... I will speak, but it's the Holy Spirit that convicts the heart. And as you just allow the Holy Spirit to move, He's going to say something completely different to you than to you and to you. And, uh, and so all we do is just kind of wah, 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 and then the Holy Spirit goes bam, 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 bam. <laughs> So it's not our words. It's his words. It's what he wants to do. And allow him, just in these times, allow him to speak to your heart. And he will. So let's, let's close in, in prayer here.
Father God, we thank you for we thank you for speaking today. We thank you for for convicting hearts, encouraging hearts. Father, let our eyes always be turned to you. Mm-hmm. That we wouldn't get caught up in in well, I think I'm, I'm gifted in this. I'm supposed to do that, but that we'd listen to you and be obedient to you every day of our lives, every moment of our lives. That we'd be in constant communication with your Spirit. That when your Holy Spirit says, "Hey, go talk to that person," that we take that step of boldness and 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 go preach, go go love, go uh, serve them, whatever that it may be called to do. Father, we just lay down. We agree with the prayer that Nate prayed. We just lay down the giftings, the callings. We thank you that they are from you and that it is a gift for us to use them for your kingdom. But if our focus comes on those and on the giftings and the callings and, and the promises, if our focus becomes those things, we're now idolizing those things. We're not putting you in your rightful place as Lord over our lives. Jake Hamilton was here a couple weeks ago. Something he, had, he sung or, or, or prophesied um, was so powerful. It, it was saying, uh, essentially, that Jesus has to become Lord of the inside. And so, Father, be the Lord of, of our inside lives, mm-hmm. not just the outside. Let us not be a people who just say, Jesus, you get Sunday, and that's it. But that we'd give you every single moment of our lives, that we'd live a life laid down. Father, we thank you, uh, even for, for Romans 12, that it's, uh, we can be a holy and living sacrifice to you. Father, you sacrificed your son for us, and so let us allow us to sacrifice our lives for you. And so I just thank you for, for today, for what you spoke, uh, and I thank you for the giftings and callings that are over every single person's life, and that you're going to use them for your kingdom. But show them how to, how to do so rightfully, that we would always be obedient to you, and what you're calling us to do, and not focused on the promise, and, and when is this going to happen? Where is this coming from? Um, and so we just thank you for that. Amen. Amen. I'm going to close with this scripture. I opened with it, and I'll close with it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're changing hearts, changing lives, that we would look more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.